We're going to be looking at uh, 2 Corinthians, so if you want to have your Bibles or your phone or the <clears throat> scripture that I'm going to be going through will be on the screen. But a little background <coughs> in why Paul wrote what he did in, uh, to the Corinthians. Um, <clears throat> Paul established the Corinthian church about 50 A.D. We know from the book of Acts he lived there for a year and a half. But right after he leaves, all kinds of problems, not all kinds, but many problems develop in the church. And if you go through 1 Corinthians, you can see what those problems are. 1 Corinthians were written to, tr to try to address some of the problems that developed when he left. We know that soon after he wrote 1 Corinthians, he had a short visit to the city of Corinth, just to check on them. And then afterwards, we know that he wrote a second letter. It is called the Lost Letter. Uh, we don't have it today. Uh, but we do know that Titus came back from delivering that letter and was, and was very encouraged with the church and, and uh, that, that they had heeded Paul's instruction, and they're doing really well. And that is the occasion that Paul wrote 2 Corinthians, which we're going to look at this morning. Well, not the whole thing, but just some, uh, about 14 verses in, in uh, chapter 3. Now, one of the themes of 2 Corinthians, and remember, he's, he's writing a group of Christians that are doing pretty good. They're really trying to live for Jesus. And uh, one of the themes of 2 Corinthians is the confidence that we have in Jesus. Um, today, we're still in January, so we've started to live 2024. And my message today, I hope when I'm done, you leave here today with great confidence, great confidence for what God's going to do with you, in you, through you in 2024. Confidence that you're going to have success over diff difficult situations. You're going to have success in your endeavors. You're going to overcome and be victorious over hardships and trials that may come this year. Some of you, some of you are going to experience the fulfillment of a promise you've been hoping for for decades. It's going to happen in 2024. Some of you. And it's true, some of you are going to experience a real serious difficulty, trial. Maybe it's a health situation. Remember, Jesus said, in this life, we're going to have tribulation. But remember... If you know Jesus, whatever happens in your life is not the final word, right? Um, you and I don't have to be afraid of what might happen in this coming year. We don't have to be afraid of the unknown, fear of failure, not having enough. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question here. Well, several questions. Just ask it of yourself. How confident are you? that this year you're going to make good decisions. How confident are you that in 2024 you're going to make wise decisions? How confident are you that no matter what happens to you this year, with God's help, you're going to overcome it? Even if you fail, God's going to turn that failure around to your good. Are you confident that God's going to help you to perform the task that you're going to have this year beyond what you could do in your own natural ability. How confident are you this year on taking on new responsibilities? If there's one characteristic that we Christians should exemplify to the world, it's confidence. Confidence in ourselves, confidence in the future, confidence of what we can do. 
We should be good employers, good employees, because we have confidence because God is in our life. So we should start out 2024 all excited. So I'm going to show you a video. My son-in-law, I left a little early because he said, you have to come to San Antonio. You've got to see how we San Antonians celebrate New Year's Eve, right? So I had no idea. Um, the video that I'm going to show you is not World War III. It is. It's not a war zone. Uh, what I'm going to show you goes on for hours, not just to show you. My, my daughter, after last service, goes, Dave, I mean, I mean Dad, that video's probably too long. I said, what, what do you mean? She goes, yeah, see, you like fireworks. You like that stuff. So, okay, it's a minute and a half. But this is how San Antonio's ce celebrate New Year's. And I thought, this is how we Christians should celebrate a new year. It's a new opportunity for God's words to just explode in our life. To all kind of expectations going to happen. Here, so now, my son-in-law takes me. It's, this is a suburb. This isn't by a school that's having, or a, a city that's having fireworks. This is a small little park in the middle of a bunch of homes. These people are letting off this stuff in their backyards, front yards, everywhere. Look out, right? If this, this would happen in East County, the fire departments here, they'd have apoplexy. They wouldn't would, would know what to do. According to my daughter, this is too long, but it's not long enough for me. Let's go ahead. This is what happens in San Antonio and New Year's Eve. Just shooting this off in their backyards. Okay, listen guys, as Christians, that should be us starting a new year. We shouldn't be any dread or fear, we should be excited, be excited. So what I want to do, the next message, what we're going to read in 2 Corinthians 3, and I'm going to share with you why you should be ecstatic and expectant about what God's going to do in your life, the church, even in America, in 2024. So, and just so you know, next year, there is no way I'm not going to be in San Antonio, in that park. <laughs> and I've told my kids, my wife, don't buy me shirts. Don't buy me shirts. I want money. 
because when I get there, I want to go to a fireworks store, and I'm going to buy, literally going to buy, I want to buy somewhere between $700 plus dollars worth of fireworks. I want those big ones. You know what, the, you, know, you drop a big ball in there and let it just blow up. That's what I want next year. Anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, okay? So Paul is talking to, to uh, Christians who are doing pretty good, right? Such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is in God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, Paul's going to make a comparison here between the Old Testament, now the Old Covenant, and now as Christians, how much better the new covenant is. But if the ministry of death, the old covenant, in letters engraved on stones came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently on the face of Moses because of the, of the glory of his face fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. The new covenant, in other words, is so much better. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech. And not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face, so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. So when, when uh, Moses went to meet with, with God, God's glory would be, as he, as he came out, his face was shining. And so he put a veil over his face so people wouldn't see that glory fade. But their minds were hardened, for until this very day at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. To this day, whenever Moses is read, this is uh, talking about the Jews, a veil lies over their heart. I love this, but whoever, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I like the word freedom. Some of your translation. So where the Lord is, the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed to the same glory from, same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. So what I want to do, I think there are four reasons. Paul gives, I believe, four reasons why you should be ecstatically expectant for your life, your family, in 2024. The first reason, number one, is you have a covenant with God. Verse 6. The Hebrew word for covenant is berith. It describes a binding agreement, a promise, a covenant, a vow. The night before Jesus was crucified, he told his followers, and ultimately you and I, that you and I, when we believe in him, we are going to enter into a new covenant with him. And that covenant is sealed, it's guaranteed, Paul said, because... God is going to give you his Holy Spirit. Now this covenant, when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, it changes everything. It changes how you think, you act, you interact with others. It changes our priorities, values, goals. Eternity becomes a reality. Now in this new covenant, God's supernatural becomes available to us. This is why prayer is so important. All right, talk about this for a while, but I'm not. Prayer is the vehicle by which you can release God's power and influence in your life and the life of others and things that you're going through. 
obviously is very important. Another important aspect of this new covenant are the promises of God. And the promises of God are not like human promises that can be broken and forsaken. When God makes a promise, that's it. He's going to fulfill it. God's promise is sure and unchanging. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For as many are as the promises of God, in Jesus they are yes. That's right, amen. Now all these promises in God's word should have an incredible impact on you and me as we think about this coming year. What God's going to do in us, through in us, what things are going to come in our life. In this new covenant, he's always with us. Not only is he always with us, Deuteronomy 31.8 says he goes ahead of us. And I had this just, this truth impacted me. You know, I had my gallbladder. I don't want to go into that, but I was in the hospital. And I know I've shared this before, but it's so awesome. I didn't want to have no operation. I'm kind of a chicken. I don't want them cutting on me. And, and he says, you know, while I'm in there, I'm going to fix your hernia. I go, whoa, great. So, um, and the nurse I had, God bless her, she didn't make it any better. Let's just keep it at that. She kept saying how she only has six more months and she gets to retire and goes, oh, my gosh. Couldn't find a vein. It was unbelievable. But anyway, my blood pressure, I said, how high is my blood pressure? We won't tell you. It was bad. They start discussing, not even to let me have an operation because my blood pressure is so high. I said, I don't care how high my blood pressure is. I'll sign anything. Get this out of me. Get this over with. All right. So, I mean, I'm a little nervous. So they start wheeling me into the operating room. To make a long story short, the worship leader uh, at uh, our church in La Mesa, uh, Craig Osborne, that's the church we prayed for this morning, he's an uh, operating nurse, upper operating room nurse. And he sees me being, ah, that's Pastor Dave. He follows me in there. And you know, they put me in. Many of you have had operations. It's not, you know, put you on this stainless steel thing. Oh. Anyway, they're about ready to, you know, we got to give you a bunch of oxygen. I said, okay. And uh, all of a sudden this face, I'm laying there. Hi, and with, there's a mask. I don't know who it is. Hi, Pastor Dave. I saw him being wheeling in here. God's going to be with you. This is going to be great. He said the surgeons were great and so on. What that guy did, he was a worship leader of, of the church I just mentioned. He had everybody stop while he laid hands and prayed on me, prayed over me. Now think about that for a minute. And the, the Bible says there's no partiality with God. God is going to go ahead of you this year. He's going to supernaturally direct you. Psalm 32.8. He's going to hear and answer your prayers, Matthew 21.22. He's going to empower you to do the impossible, Ephesians 1.18 and 19. He's going to fulfill the desires of your heart, Psalms 37.4. Now, when you start thinking about these promises and many others, you can't help but get excited about 2024. What God, what's God going to do with me this year? When you start thinking about all, all these promises, it can affect how you think about the present and the future in 2024. Not only that, because God is with us and for us, no matter what happens in your life, the Bible says he's going to turn that thing around for your good. Yeah. That's right. I mean, this is, I mean, when you start thinking about it, every new year, we should all lift out firecrackers like that because hallelujah, this is going to be a great year. 
So, first of all, you and I can live with, uh, have great confidence going into 2024 because we have a covenant with God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his promises are true in our life. Number two, you can be ecstatic and have great expectations for 2024 because, number two, our adequacy this year is going to come from God, verses 5 and 6. The point that Paul makes here is that no matter what, excuse me, no matter how inadequate you may feel, this year, if you look to God, you're going to be more than adequate for any situation. With Jesus, you're more than adequate in any situation. Romans 8, Romans 8.37 says this, But in all things, we overwhelmingly conquer. We don't just skid by. We don't just barely make it. You overwhelmingly succeed through him who loved us. <laughs> Hopefully you know what the first verse of the Bible is. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God. He created the heavens and the earth. In Jeremiah 32, Jeremiah is all concerned about this and that and the other. And read chapter 32, and I don't want to go into it, but he's all, you know, he's looking at the future, and he's, he's all concerned. And... Uh, God basically says, Jeremiah, get a grip. Well, he didn't say that. Um, th think about who I am. I'm the creator. And God says, is anything too difficult for me? And then he says, nothing is too difficult for me. In other words, <laughs> I'm the God of the impossible. So how do we... In 2024, how do you access this strength, this anointing, this wisdom that's available to all of us? It's really simple. Paul explains to us in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. What you do is you come into a possible situation. You don't know you how to do it. What Paul says, you simply say, God, I need you. I, th this is more than I can handle. I am inadequate for this. Come and help me. When you do that, God puts his possibilities into your impossibility. And as a matter of fact, Paul says that if, if you do that, if you humble yourself and say, Lord, I can't do this myself, I need you to help, God will do beyond what you ask and think, Ephesians 3.20. That is what's going to happen this year to any Christian whenever they face a difficult situation or a task that seems too much for them, when they admit, God, I need your help. Please help me. They, you and I will do better than we could ever do on our own. That's going to happen in 2024. Look at it this way. Our weakness and God's possibilities form an unbeatable combination. Say that again because you didn't seem to. Our weakness and God's possibilities form an unbeatable combination. God, guys, this is the number one truth in my life. Started 49 years ago. I mean, when God called me in the ministry, I was a history teacher and a football coach. I had never taken a theology class or a Bible class in my life. I go to this seminary where um, a bunch of geniuses run, run around that place. I used to call them watermelon heads, but that's another story. <laughs> I mean, I'd listen to these lectures. I don't know what they're talking about. I'd read a page, but I don't know what these people... Give me a, you know... You know, I, I, I know how to uh, put together a strategy against a certain defense, but I don't know what this is. 
I don't want to go into the whole story. But when I got desperate, when I got on my knees, I got up in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, I prayed for two hours. I mean, I read scripture. I spent two hours with God every morning just telling him, help! <laughs> that semester I got straight A's. I don't know how. I don't, still don't know how that happened. But it was God. God made me more, I mean, anyway, more adequate than I could ever have been on myself. And, you know, and when I got to grades, no one was more surprised than my brother. <laughs> but anyway, seminary was easy for him. Jerk. <laughs> Since I, I, I'm off my notes, I'll never forget. We had to write this, this incredible paper, right? So I'd been working on it literally for weeks. I had a, a place in the library, I had all these books, all these notes, and I, and I just, you know, just in passing, how are you doing on that, on that paper? I forget what class it was for. He goes, which paper are you talking about? I said, but he goes, oh, I haven't started yet. <laughs> you haven't started yet? No, no, I've said that. So he takes about three or four days. We hand in the paper. Mine, you know, I get an A. Very good. He hands his... his paper. There's red marks all over it. Great thought. How do you, I mean, I'm just, on and on and on. As a matter of fact, at one point, they called my brother in because he had written a paper, and they couldn't believe that it was just his. They thought he, he had plagiarized. So how would you like going to seminary with someone like that? You were living with them. <laughs> anyway. So let's go to the third reason why you can be ecstatic about 2024. And that is, number three, God's going to give you discernment. There's an old saying, and it goes something like this. There's always two sides to a, a question. And, you know, there's um, two sides to everything. It's like flypaper, for those of you who remember what that is. Remember, used to, those of old used to hang in our garages. Well, one side is sticky and the other side isn't. And I tell you, it makes a big difference which side the fly chooses to land on. It's really important this year that you and I make wise decisions. Paul says in Thessalonians to examine everything carefully. Why is that? Because the devil is really sly and good at making unholy, bad things look really good. Right? So you and I have to have discernment to make the right decision. Now Paul tells us here that when you and I are born again, a veil is taken off of our eyes. In other words, before you come to Jesus, you're walking in darkness. Jesus even said that one of the reasons why he came was so that we could see. John chapter 9. I'm not going to read that. Before a person surrenders to Jesus, they are actually walking in spiritual blindness. And in that darkness, in that blindness... They're going to come up with all kinds of varied opinions on life, death, values, morality, God, everything. But it's a good thing. Never mind. I better not go there. It's a good thing to have an open board. Just let everybody come in. Be great. It's like um, <clears throat> this spiritual blindness is like an old Eastern story that, you know, I've, I haven't used this example for a while, but. It's about bringing six blind men to an elephant, right? And the first blind man, he feels the elephants, you know, the side, he goes, an elephant's like a wall. 
The second one comes up and he feels the, the leg of an elephant and he said, that, that's what an elephant is like a tree trunk. And then the, the third uh, blind man comes to the uh, uh, elephant and feels his trunk and says, an elephant is like a snake, so on and so forth. Each blind person came up with a different opinion of what an elephant was like. That's what it's like walking in darkness. Um, Kaya Jones. Um, I read an article on her. She's, uh, she used to be in a, she was a singer in a group called Pussycat Dolls. Now, I never heard of this, but they've, 80 million 80 million songs, albums, over 80 million. I'm just curious. You guys heard of this? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> anyway, all right, famous, famous. So she recently spoke at a pro-life rally in San Francisco. You know, she kind of talked about her spiritual journey. And uh, in the process of becoming a Christian, the, and the veil began to be pulled away, she saw that abortion was murder. And it affected her because she had had two abortions. And she, you know, she talked about that. But because the Holy Spirit had come into her life, she now had discernment. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 and 14. Where am I here? We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. Until a man or woman has that veil taken away, they're going to be walking in darkness, and they're going to have a varied opinion of just about everything. This spiritual discernment that you and I have from God is a gift. It's a gift. It comes from the Holy Spirit inside us. And secondly, looking at this word. Spiritual discernment will help you make good decisions, help you to discern if someone is speaking the truth, guide you to what you participate in. Um, I'd only been a Christian a short time, and most of you know I used to own a carnival business. That's right. Carnival business, pastor, kind of similar. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, we would... Uh, my business partner and I, we owned a bunch of joints, that's what you call them, where you win animals and stuff. We used to set up, we had like 12 or 14 of these things. Anyway, um, so I, I'd become a Christian and I was in, I, I was in business with uh, my friend, who, uh, Don, who has since many years ago become a Christian. Uh, praise the Lord. Um, but I... I'm laying on, on top of the bed, you know, it's probably 6 o'clock at night, and we just had, had dinner, and I'm reading the Bible. And he says to me, see you later, I'm going to go to Mustang Ranch. It's a brothel. <laughs> he walks out the door, and I just got so convicted. I'm thinking, what the heck's going on here? I had no idea what the Bible said about uh, being unequally yoked, and that, that I would, you know, that include business. But that, un that uneasiness, and listen... Don has always been a, a wonderful guy. Um, <laughs> my dad was shocked when I told him I went to business with this guy. We don't even have a contract. We just shook hands. And he, what, what? Um, 
But I would trust this guy with my life. But there he's going off, and I'm sitting there. There's something wrong with his picture. And because of that spiritual discernment inside of me, the Lord sh showed me in the Bible where I shouldn't be in business with someone who isn't a Christian and so on and so forth. But that's how God leads us. With God's Holy Spirit, it's that your people are going to say things to you and you're going to, wait a minute. Um, in my book on prayer, chapter 7, there's, I have a sevenfold test. A sevenfold test. If you're ever wondering if you're hearing from God, or if somebody's speaking to you the truth, or you're trying to make a decision, there's a sevenfold test, I promise you. You do that, you go through that, you will find the will of God 100% of the time. Okay? Discernment is such a valuable asset as we live 2024. And you have it! You don't have to, if you're a Christian, you don't have to make another bad decision for the rest of your life. Yes! Only time... The Bible says, he who makes haste with his feet errs. If you, just don't rush. If you don't rush, you look into God, you go through this test, you, you look at God's word, you get to um, uh, counsel. You're not, not going to make any mistakes this year. Serious mistakes. You know, you might go to a pottery game and maybe you should maybe go to that. But, I, you know, I'm saying, I'm talking about major important decisions. Why did I talk about the potteries? Now I'm all bummed out again. Anyway, number four, because I have to have to move. The fourth reason why you and I should be excited about 2024, number four, is God is going to transform us. Verse 18. If you're trying to live for Jesus, if you're trying to find out what God wants to do in your life, God is going to change you this year. As you surrender to him this year, you and I are going to become better parents, better grandparents, better spouses, better employers, better employees, better friends. As a child, cannot stop growing. Now, I got grandkids. If I could put them in a machine and stop them from growing, I'd be tempted. They're just so cute. They love me. They can't wait to see me. I show up. Ah, I know in about 10 years, oh, hi, Grandpa. And they'll be <laughs> But just like a child cannot help to grow, if you're trying to follow Jesus this year, at the end of this year, you're going to be a better person than when you started this year. You are going to be, God is going to transform you. As you read his word, he's, he's, he's going to show you, he's going to reveal habits, lies, reactions that are hindering, hindering you, hurting your relationships, hindering your success, holding you back. This is great news. You're, this year, starting in January, all right? Probably started before that, but we're just talking about 2024. You're going to be, a if you're trying to live for Jesus, you are going to be a better person at the end of this year than you were at the, at the beginning. Because God can't help but work in your life. Now, Satan wants to, you to think that you're simply just a product of your past, blah, blah, blah. It's a lie. God is going to work in your life this year. You don't have to keep making the same mistakes. Bottom line is God is going to work in your life in 2024. As we live for him, God is going to change you into a better person. All right. So, I'm winding up here. Dave, you're pretty wound up. You know, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just hyper, guys. 
And you, you put a little tea or coffee in me. I'm really looking forward to next year, brother. I'm, I'm um, anyway. So wrapping up, like I said, 2024, you, all of us should be looking at this year with excitement because you have a covenant with God. You have a covenant with God that keeps his promises. You have, no matter what comes into your life this year, you're going to be more than adequate. As you admit your weakness, God's going to help you through whatever it is. You're going to have discernment for any situation that comes into your life. You're, God's going to, he's living inside of you. God's going to help you. And that God is going to work in your life this year. And praise God. You're going to be a better person at the end of this year. As long as you're trying to live for him, God's going to show you things and you're just going to be a better person. Whatever that means for you. They should... Give all, these four truths should give all of us great confidence going into uh, 2024. Now, each one of us, okay? Not that I'm a great preacher, but each one of us today. I think I'm pretty good, but anyway. <laughs> each one of us as we leave here today, including myself, if you've heard anything that I've said, you should leave here today excited about what God is going to do in your life in 2024. Sure, some of you, some of us, some of us are going to have to go through some real tough times. Maybe physically, you know, who knows? Some of us in this church, our spouse is going to come up to us and, and uh, I don't want to live with you anymore, I don't love you, I'm having a fear, whatever, okay? There's going to be some real trials, but guys, God is with you. God is going to be with you in that situation. And no matter how bad it is, God's going to work in your life. And you're going to come out the other side, a different person. God's going to work it for your good. God is for you in 2024. So what can defeat us? The answer is nothing. Let me have the band up here. That's the end.